Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. For those that don't know, it's been over a week since my Twitter account was hacked and I've still not received it back because Elon Musk fired the support staff. So if for some reason my Twitter account's posting weird things or you're getting weird DMs, it's not me. Don't click on that stuff. In much better news, the Magic just went 3-0 on this recent homestand. Look, the math for the play-in isn't great for us because Chicago, Toronto, and Atlanta, they keep winning just enough games to stay about four games ahead of us. We're at like a 2% chance here late in the season, but that's okay because we're playing well and we'll get into April still technically in the play-in hunt. Orlando has won 10 games more this season than he did last season already. Win-loss-wise, we're the best fifth worst team in the last 35 years of NBA history like we're 32 and 43 and even though we're the fifth worst team in the league like we have the best record in since I think like 1975 I think where that applies so um, that's progress and I'm finally you know leaping over Portland Indiana and the Wizards in the standings if we get down to that because those three are tanking pretty hard right now and resting a bunch of guys. But I'm fine with that if that means we finish the season on a high note with our young guys. Fifth best lottery odds are great. Eighth best isn't a disaster either, despite what the pro tanking crowd moans about. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jab. Point guard on a 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. All right, we are recording this late afternoon on Monday, March 27th of 2023. Uh, before we get into a few into magic stuff, uh, if you're curious about the episode title, uh, it's a Murtaugh quote from Lethal Weapon 2, which I think is a very underrated line from a great film. Uh, Penny, what are uh, <laughs> What do you what do you think of Lethal Weapon 2? This is the one where you get like the the South African kind of Dutch uh line, uh evil bad guys involved in this. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of of the Lethal Weapon all of the films and uh we, I'm glad that we're talking about the the film series and not the television reboot. Which I didn't see and I think you haven't seen it either, right? I have not. Yeah, I think there was like a problem with the, not the Wayne's brother, but the other one. That, that I think there was a problem with him, if I recall. And then I just never got into it because I actually had did hear good things about it, but I just I never surprisingly got involved into it. Even though like, like I love the at least the first three Lethal Weapons, especially the first two. The first two Lethal Weapons are awesome. Like Lethal Weapon Two is one of like the greatest sequels in the history of sequels in my mind. Like we're talking, like it's 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 above like Die Hard two for sure. Um, I mean it's it's up there. Like some people argue that Lethal Weapon two is better than Lethal Weapon one, but um, also Lethal Weapon three uh, has the city hall implosion, isn't that right? 
Yes, they blew up City Hall to open up Lethal Weapon Three, which I'm assuming I didn't I didn't read up the the uh, on details on. I just know that it happened. What was it ninety? It was for ninety two. The film came out, so I think they did it in like ninety one. I want to say, and I I don't know what the film production offered. Like, did they offer to just the whole cost of blowing the whole thing up or or what? But um. Yeah, that's always a cool Orlando tidbit. Like you get to see old Orlando City Hall get blown up in Lethal Weapon Three. So, um, but yeah, we're recording this Monday, March twenty seventh. Uh, so we probably would have recorded an episode last week, but I'm currently dealing with a hacker at the moment. And <laughs> um, like the early hours of Sunday night, or I guess early Sunday morning. So so last week, March 19th, uh, a hacker decided to take over my Netflix, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. Um, he took my email address out in these accounts. He put his in, and then he would use his own like authentication app to just fully control them. And I really don't know how he did it. Netflix, it was, thank God, Netflix. Well, not, you know, I like Netflix, and I obviously don't want to be paying for a Netflix account I don't control. So it was great that I could just call Netflix because they have an actual support phone number. Um, and the only way I could get it back after going through like the initial checks and all that was my credit card info. And thankfully, he didn't have that. So um, I got my Netflix back. Instagram, which is run by Meta, who they also have Facebook. Um, that took a few days to get back. That was hard um and then twitter which is being torched to the ground slowly as we speak by elon musk uh i don't have my twitter account i got everything else but my twitter but like with instagram like there's no meta doesn't have like a help support line um but like i only got my instagram account back because it took me like a dozen or so selfie verification video submissions and i had to try like a million different like faces looks uh, I, with a hat, with a beanie, like outside, inside, like neck near a tree, near some fencing. Finally, it happened by I, you know, the one that went through and got me my account back was one that is nearby lake near my park that it finally took. So I don't know why I it took them. I classify yeah. you as a pretty big social media guy overall. So how much are you feeding and, and, and jonesing without Twitter as an outlet? And, um, and also, I'm sure everyone's missing the content, too. Look, I tweet a lot. So honestly, that not that many people are probably missing my tweets. But um, I, you know, believe it or not, like I have some really good like follows and I've had some really good conversations with some pretty like high Twitter follower folks that that's the main biggest reason why I won't be creating a new account. Like I want my Twitter account back. I've had this thing for over a dozen years, I think since Oh nine, I think. And yeah, this is like the worst hacking I've been through in my life. And I've been hacked probably a couple times, but this is by far the worst. Like this hacker's still trying to mess with me. Like he tried to get in my Spotify, tried to get in my PayPal. I'm I've been stonewalling them pretty well so far, but um, it's only my Twitter account that I can't get back. And I may never get it back because I've seen online and on Reddit, like there's hundreds, if not thousands of folks with my like exact problem where I had two factor authentication on my Twitter account, but then it was disabled because of Twitter blue. And because I'm never going to pay for Twitter blue, um, they took the two factor authentication away. And that's how that got attacked pretty easily. And 
I have a feeling just more and more folks are going to be in my shoes in the future. And like, unless you're like a really famous person or if you do pay for Twitter blue, like have fun getting your account back because Elon Musk fired basically all of his Twitter support and it's running terribly and heavily reliantly on AI. And I'm stuck in a groundhog day circle. You've seen groundhog day. Is that a, is that high on the Bill Murray movie list, Penny? It has to be up there for sure. All right. Yeah. But I'm basically stuck in a groundhog day circle of being just taken through like the same steps by this AI support that just does not accomplish anything. Like I'm just going round and round in circles. So until by some miracle, I get the attention of an actual human being to help me, I'm which I'm not holding my breath about, you know, it's, I may not get my Twitter account back or it might take weeks or months if I do. And yeah, I'm not opening a new Twitter account because I could get hacked again with this new account and you know, I don't want to do that again, go going through square one. So um, yeah, I mean like it's, uh, I miss out on new, like I, it's not the, I, I don't get that instant news now that without Twitter, that's the big thing that I miss. Like, it's not even me tweeting like a million times, you know, a week or whatever. Like it's, you know, I, it's good. I, it also helps getting kind of good vibe check on magic fans and, and, and everything. But like, I miss the interactions. I miss getting the kind of to the second global news portion of it. But I actually, I mean, it's probably healthier for me that I'm not on Twitter that much. And I do think it's overall probably going to be good if and when Twitter completely dies. Um, I'm sure we'll find a better platform or we'll just go back to relying on real GM and Reddit, which is what I'm kind of doing now. And, you know, I don't hate it. So, but um, yeah, I don't know if you had any feedback on any of that. If you had any questions post, I, I was, I was just going to say, you, you look lighter on your feet now that you don't have the, the stress of uh, celebrity Twitter account management weighing you down every day. Come on, man. I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I got like 3000 followers. That doesn't qualify. Um, I've had that thing a long time though. And um, yeah. Anyway, so onto what's happened with the magic since our last pod episode. Uh, we really missed Wendell Carter Jr. When he was out with his injury, same with Gary Harris, you know, we got Gary back, but still lost to the Utah jazz on March 9th, which was our third straight home loss at that time. And our playing hopes really were not looking great. Uh, but then from there, we had that gutsy overtime win. Thank God over Miami that we hoped would spark a win streak. We didn't get that because then we lost in San Antonio and you had like Zach Collins looking like Jakob Pertle in the paint. And then you had Doug McDermott, who is a magic killer. And he got us again, just hidden threes and the Spurs broke their franchise three point makes record. You can get either crushed in the paint or torched on threes. We let both happen. You know, you can't win with no defense. And it was just a terrible way to start a four game road trip. I mean, the rest of the road trip wasn't horrendous like that Spurs loss. I mean, we, 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 we lost at the end of Phoenix. Um, You know, Koji made a hell of a defensive play on Paolo, but we were there. We were one three point shot away from going overtime. We had the gutsy win then in LA against the Clippers and then on the second night of a back-to-back, we should have beat the Lakers. We didn't, but, you know, Austin Reeves dropping 35 points on 18 free throw attempts, which was more free throw attempts than our entire team as a whole. Wasn't great, um, you know, but we kept Anthony Davis in check, and LeBron wasn't back for that game, but we kept Anthony Davis in check. But the Lakers 
just like the Spurs game, they hit a ton of threes. Um, our defensive scheming and strategy has often this season caused us to get wrecked by three-point barrages at too often of a rate. Um, and it had me thinking maybe we should have kept Pat Bev, you know, Patrick Beverly, because we still haven't played Michael Carter Williams since signing him. And then with Pat Bev, like it could have, he could have been an active veteran on our team, you know, because right now basically Gary Harris is our only active vet. Um, and then, you know, he, Pat Bev, he could have played backup guard when, with Cole, you know, alongside Cole and given, you know, the bull bull minutes to either Suggs or Gary Harris at that point. But, you know, instead, Beverly is a big reason why Chicago are, have, are solidifying their playing spot now. And, you know, it's both about keeping us out of the play-in and then potentially if the Bulls get into the playoffs, then that first-round pick we get from Chicago won't even be in the lottery. Now, on the plus side, it's guaranteed that we get it because it's top four protected. But you know, if, if the Bulls were to miss out on the play-in, that pick being at like 11th or 12th or, or around there going into the, the lottery, the odds of that jumping up in the top four are very, very small. But I don't know. Any thoughts on what I said with be it, you know, either defensive scheming stuff, Pat Bev. Are you surprised Michael Carter Williams hasn't played? I don't think you are because last pod you mentioned you didn't think he'd play. So you're looking good on that prediction. Yeah, I don't think he'll see the floor. Um, I mean, going back to when the trade was executed, I think it was – I, I assume it was for the benefit of of Pat Beverly to pick his destination and doing the right thing in terms of routing him appropriately. Um, but it would have been interesting to see again. The, that's the common denominator, I think. For I mean, obviously Zach Levine is playing much better, better yeah. much better. But in terms of outside influence, like that's the only positive change for the Bulls really is the addition of Pat Beverly. Um, so that's been interesting. And, you know, from an outside perspective where we're putting a lot of eggs in the Bulls pick basket, having value kind of, kind of crappy uh, to watch them ascend a little bit and, and really kind of firmly plant themselves right there, at least, you know, in the 10 spot. Um, interesting thing to me, I'm not going to go back and rehash a lot of stuff, but talk about a disappointing road trip. Uh, a little bit of overlap with talked about Wendell being out, but the, I think the value that we're placing on Gary Harris is not as high as it should be. You're talking about a guy that, uh, for all intents and purposes, he's definitely going to finish the year with a career high three point field goal percentage, uh, up above 44% right now. Um, and that, that veteran influence, I think goes a lot further than, than we think, even if you're looking at improved Jalen Suggs play, who also, you know, missed a chunk of time with the mm -hmm. coming off the concussion too. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that's interesting to me, and I'm sure we'll touch on it a little later, but, uh, talk about defense not being up to par part of that i think is the reason that that the bull bull experience has come to an end uh, effectively being replaced by caleb houston now for uh rotation minutes moving forward yeah it's i mean this this had to happen i'm glad mosley finally finally did it like i i think he held on to bowl too long as far as just rotational minutes go um caleb houston's a better player uh, for what we need at the moment. Now, Bulls 
very talented offensively. And I mean, he is getting better as far as cutting down on the turnovers and playing more controlled, but like basic stuff, like he's not still not really challenging shots. Like he's not lifting that huge ass arm. And if he would like, he, we, he would be causing a lot more misses and he is getting better at that, but it's still unacceptable how often either he gets like juked out of his feet or like he like spins around when a guy goes by him or like he can't, he doesn't fully rotate over or he's not lifting his, his arm up. Like it's getting better. And look, we, I'm patient with bull. Like I don't want to get rid of bull in the off season. Like I, I want him to stick around if it makes sense for a roster, like money wise, he's very cheap. Um, and we have to look at him like he's still a rookie, but from a rookie perspective, Caleb is what we need, need more of than bull at the moment. I don't know if you had yeah. any more bull thoughts or anything like that. Well, I I think uh, even Caleb not necessarily hitting threes is still impacting the game in yeah. a way that obviously bull does not. Um, and and his offense has really kind of disappeared over the last what couple months too. Anyway, well, he can't hit threes. That's the problem. Like I'd rather have Caleb's three point shooting than bull. And then defensively, and even on a, from a rebounding perspective, I would definitely have prefer Caleb over bull. So. Yeah. Um, I'm glad Mosley and the staff finally went that route and we're playing all the better for it. Like we'll get to it here sh- soon, but, um, let's talk. All right. We got to talk to Paolo Bencaro rookie of the year stuff. Cause everybody is, ta- is having to talk about it. Magic fans, for some reason, all of a sudden have to go in like defensive mode because some national folks threw out whispers that like, Oh, Jalen Williams is coming. He might go get that, that rookie of the year. No, he's not. It's, it's done. Um, that Palo is not going to be viewed or voted on as a unanimous rookie of the year is going to be annoying. Like I'm mentally prepared for this to be like, like for Palo to, to not be unanimous for it to, for a lot of those first place votes to actually not go his way, like a good chunk. Like I could see like Palo getting somewhat screwed by national media and only getting 65 or like 75% of the first place votes. Like I'm mentally preparing for that now, even though, there's no word like no valid reason you could give me where Paolo Bancaro is not the unanimous rookie of the year. Um, he's going to win Eastern conference rookie of the month for March. Like it's going to happen. Um, there's no one else that's, that's better than him at, at, in that regard, which will be his fourth consecutive month winning the award. He's at 19.8 points per game. And that was after he dropped 11 last night in the win against Brooklyn. Like he was at 20. He only needed to score 11 last night so he's down to 19.8 he's at 6.9 rebounds per game which is what you want to kind of what you want to see out of your power forward 4.2 assists per game in the month of march is awesome like he's he's flirted with a couple close triple doubles and that just goes to show that again this guy's not like a carmelo anthony type like yeah he can score yeah he's going to be like our main scorer but he can do a lot more than just score and he's doing it on 44 percent shooting from the field 36.4% three-point shooting this month. And it's only going to get better come next season. So he's finishing the season out strong. He's consistently being put on elite-tiered rookie stats graphics all time. It's no contest 
with this rookie of the year race. Like he's a rookie of the year. You can even add up the counting stats, points, rebounds, assists, and care, uh, compare them to any other rookie. Like he has a gigantic advantage. He's still averaging again for the season, you know, almost 20 points per game. He's down to 19.8 for the season. He's at 19.8 for the month of March. Is he the most efficient right now? No, but he's the only rookie who coach is playing for as a number one scoring option. He's the only rookie who consistently gets double and triple teamed all the time. Jalen Williams doesn't have a case. Walker Kessler, I think, should be the one to finish his runner up in, in the race behind Paolo. But that's my viewpoint. Penny, what are your Paolo thoughts? Um, I would say also, too, just uh, on the efficiency clip, if you want to feel really good as a Magic fan, go back and look at uh, Kevin Durant's rookie season, rookie season yeah. stats in terms of efficiency. Look, um, the the mandate is in from the organization flowing through to the television broadcasts and the PR team that the push is on now to really uh, cement and solidify Paolo as being the runaway uh, candidate for rookie of the year. I don't think there's any debate there. I think you're going to see a huge media push the rest of the year just to highlight uh, also, you know, last game he just got the first uh player exclusive edition of his shoes coming out um or that he wore rather the huevo bancaro right like oh i guess we're calling that's coming together i guess we're calling them huevo bancaros but yeah all all of that's coming together and it's no surprise that it's coming together right now look the national media uh First of all, there's not a lot of, as we know, magic watching and familiarity. But secondly, like there, there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of uh, web pages to fill up. There's a lot of airtime to fill up. Um, there has to be some sort of discussion, um, and it's not as entertaining to just go like, "Yep, this guy's been head and shoulders above the field since October," uh, and continues to be. So um, certainly there's other rookies doing fine things. I agree with you. I think on the whole that Walker Kessler has probably uh, entrenched himself as number two in the race. But look, from from preseason, I think we both pretty much called that, you know, Paolo is going to be rookie of the year and uh, it's going to be a runaway uh, in actuality. And in terms of the voting results, we'll wait and see how close that that aligns. I think I said Keegan Murray was actually going to win rookie of the year when we did our predictions. We'll have to go back and revisit those after the season. But uh, yeah, Paolo is just, he's, he's the runaway right now. And like the, like, again, the only push we need to do is as, as a fan base that the magic PR folks got to do that the organization has to do is to make Paolo unanimous. Like that's the only push we need to do because he's got this in the bag. It's over. That's it. He's the rookie of the year. So we're probably going to talk about this again in the next pod episode, maybe when at the end of the season, but um, for the wizards game last Tuesday. So that was March 21st. Penny, you got to play on the Amway center floor earlier that day. Uh, how was it? How was the experience? How'd the opportunity come? Uh, and you scored. So that's all that matters. Yeah. So um, I I've been very fortunate over the years. In fact, I, I got to play, uh, in like 96, 97 at halftime for one of the youth basketball games. And uh, I went 0 for 2, and that's been haunting me for the last 
25 however many years it's been yeah so no thanks to our friends at uh nba top shot and specifically the orlando magic packs and pinstripes group um won a won a little contest to take part in the court of dreams which sounds cool (laughs) um and it is cool uh essentially they open up the doors to the amway center at noon and go uh, take you back to the locker room and go, okay, get changed, put your shoes on. We'll walk you out to the, to the NBA floor. Not the magic locker loose. room. They have not, they have oh. other locker rooms in there. No, you're right. Uh, not the magic locker room, but it was interesting because you could still smell the residual uh, mildew and mold from the water celebrations of the, of the uh, tournament teams advancing. Uh, That's awesome. But, but no, they, so they, they bring you out to the floor uh, and and turn you loose and literally from noon to 3 p.m uh you're just running pickup games on the floor so got an opportunity to get a, a whole bunch of exercise in uh left a fingerprint on the backboard i don't know how often they they clean that or windex that i was hoping it would be up there for a while at least it was there for the for the wizards game um some dna left on the floor there you go um yeah scored scored quite a bit uh had some fun met some cool people and uh also i think left with a common cold which uh to, to, to uh came in uh friday night and through the weekend and is residual in my voice for this recording too but on on the whole very very cool experience and uh the final benefit was i got so much exercise during the day that i felt no guilt at all going extremely hard at the free buffet uh in the fields lounge Ooh, any yeah. any notable food items uh i gotta tell you uh i went ice cream at halftime nice. and uh, the they had like an angel food cake as the buffet dessert so i put that together huh. and that was probably the highlight of the night also i found the uh, uh the snack wall for the first time which we had missed a couple times before so oh I, grabbed a snickers put it in my pocket and uh and took it home with me for for later in the week there you Uh, go yeah well well that's yeah that's awesome yeah i i i didn't try to win that because i didn't want to have to take like a day off from work so uh i'm also i haven't played like pickup in years now so i would probably be useless you actually play pickup on occasion so that's cool man no i'm really happy for you and Hey, you got to see a magic win because, you know, we looked sluggish coming back from the West Coast road trip to start that Wizards game. But then Mo Wagner got us going and it was a balanced magic effort in this game, which has been the common theme of this homestand that we just finished three and zero on. So uh, so was holding our opponents to under 115 points. That's been also the key for for this homestand. And. Mo, he may have taken the backup center job back from Goga Vitaze after uh, Goga did take it for a little bit. So uh, nice to see Mo take that back. And yeah, I mean, I mentioned it was a very balanced attack, but you know, Gary's great three point shooting was the difference in this game for for us to to win. And uh, yeah, I mean, that definitely definitely kind of kept us dreaming a little bit playing wise. Uh, any other thoughts from that Wizards game, Penny? Uh, just one negative thought. We've touched on this. I've, I've spent a lot of time this year watching on League Pass and uh, seen a lot of Wizards action. Um, nothing but praise for Wes Unseld. But 
Another stinker that night for Bradley Beal. And uh, you talk again about guys that move the needle. Um, just reiterating the fact that that is not a guy that I would push any kind of chips on to acquire to help us ascend to the next uh, level of, you know, competitiveness moving forward. Yeah, it's funny what two years does, honestly, because two years ago, I I think we I'm sure we'd mentioned how we would have wanted to trade for him. And now with his, you know, he's you know, he's aging a bit. I mean, he's still young, but it's the injuries have taken their toll and you can really nitpick his game. And if he's not putting up like ridiculously high scoring games, like he's almost a negative on the floor now. It's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not interested in Bradley Beal. I'm glad he didn't have a great game against us and that helped us in the win. Um, so the next game, the Knicks were on the second night of a back-to-back after losing in Miami. Uh, Thibodeau rested uh, Jalen Brunson, which helped us, thankfully. Uh, not our problem, because we still rank very highly in man games lost. Uh, the Knicks were crushing us on the boards early on, so much so that Mosley threw in a Goga Mo front court, which <laughs> that's never happened before. And damn it, it worked because that swung the game in our favor uh, towards the end of the first half. That and still Wagner brothers chemistry was just shining through. And then Caleb Houston gave us some great minutes in this game. Um, we had a 19 point lead in the first half. It was like an absurd swing of momentum once Mosley threw in Goga and Mo. Like it was it was impressive. Um Magic turnovers helped the Knicks come back, though. The Knicks tied it at 73-73 in the last minute of the third period, which Knicks fans were loud and boisterous, and they loved that. There's always a lot of New York transients that live here in uh, in Orlando, and there's always, for decades now, Knicks fans that show up to ma- these Magic games, um, more so since we went from the arena to the new building, but... Uh, the Wagner brothers and Cole Anthony, they spurred on uh, a run to start the fourth quarter. And then Franz left because he rolled his ankle again in that fourth quarter. You know, this time he left when we were up eight midway through the fourth. And then just it, there was an inconsistent whistle, a very noticeable inconsistent whistle, which was ridiculously favoring the Knicks. Like if if you want to let things go and let the game be physical, cool let us get physical too, not just the Knicks. And we were getting called for ticky tack fouls while the Knicks weren't. And that, that was a pain to watch, but Paolo, he outdueled Julius Randall. He got Julius Randall so frustrated and pissed off. He almost got ejected at the end of the first half. And he frustrated Julius Randall for most of the game. So that was amazing to watch. Um, And then Franz didn't come back in the game, but Cole was immense in his place in that, in that closing lineup. And that was a good win against the Knicks team because the last time we hosted the Knicks at home, we had a disappointing loss. And it we've we've been learning from past encounters or past mistakes, I think, of late. And I don't know what, what thoughts you have for this uh, Nick game, Penny. Yeah, I mean, overall, just a good win. Um, par for the course in terms of Cole Anthony's performances lately. Um, and also, it's nice now to be reaping the benefits of uh teams going to Miami first and then coming to play in Orlando as opposed to vice versa that always kind of works out uh seems to work out in their favor more than ours sometimes but certainly the last couple of games here uh it's not easy to to go play in Miami 
especially when, you know, Knicks, Nets, and he are all kind of jostling for playoff position in the same uh, place right there. Oh, yeah. Um, that takes a lot out of you. And then the Magic still have to take care of business, obviously. But to to be doing that, I think, speaks to how the team has uh, matured and progressed throughout the year. Absolutely. Speaking of those Knicks fans, like the Magic, they they need to take a, a page out of the Sixers book. Like they really need to push a promotion to our fans to get loud when our opponents are at the free throw line. Like free Chick-fil-A, like a free Gringo's Locos Taco, like something. Like I don't know if you had any preferred local destinations, Benny, that, that we can push out to get fans to go crazy for missed free throws because like the fans who can afford lower bowl tickets in those first 10 rows are just they're not cheering much they're not they're not showing any type of real presence that's pro magic and it's been like that basically for 10 years like all of the diehards got priced out in the in the arena the amway center move and then like or priced out or priced upwards or priced back like fans that were sitting low are now in like the upper bowl or way higher up and you know, our fan base reputation has kind of paid the price for this. And especially since we haven't overall been good over the past decade, like, but you go back to back, to, you know, back in the day, like we used to be up there, fan noise, fan, fan craziness wise with like the Sacramento's and even like OKC's and we have rabid fans. We're here. Like they exist. They're just too far away from the floor. And look, the reason why those cities like OKC and Sacramento don't get overrun by with away fans like we do is because Orlando is one, a transient city. Orlando is also a global tourist destination. People like experiencing our weather during an NBA regular season. That's why they fly down here and, 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 and whatnot. Like people don't go to Sacramento or OKC for tourism wise. I'm sorry to those fan bases. And then obviously for many, many years now, we've had like 50% off Papa John's for magic victories with that code magic win this season. When the magic hit 10 threes, I guess you get a free chicken biscuit sandwich at Wendy's with a purchase. So you actually have to buy something though. And then people go ape shit for t-shirt launches, even if they're sitting in a $3,000 seat. Like, so don't tell me that the magic franchise as a whole can't find a way to motivate fans to cheer against opponents during games. Uh, thoughts, Benny. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I'm sure it's a, a low cost investment in terms of pretty much every team. It's solely for the second half and only if it's a pair of missed free throws yeah. um, consecutively. So that doesn't happen all that often. Uh, seems like a nice Taco Bell uh, promotion. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, oh, that's interestingly, that's dangerous. And sem yeah, semi related. Uh, have you noticed, I don't know how long it's been going on, but it, at least the last couple of weeks, well, since the they've returned from home, there's now uh, pizza, uh, Papa John's costumes uh, that come out after the Magic win on the floor to celebrate the 50% off Papa John's code. Uh, yeah, so it's been happening. It's been happening for, I think, a couple months because I think Philip Rossman Reich, was, who was covering I think, the, game, the, the game that it first happened, tweeted it out with a photo that we have a victory pizza mascot with Papa John's. And that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So that's um, pretty good. Yeah. I'm also, trying to think how, yeah. how, how, what's the, uh, what's the bylaw there in terms of uh, uh, like, when do you don the suit? 
do you wait till the buzzer in a close game? Do you do you do you put the bottom half on first so you're ready to run out at the buzzer? Like, how do you not jinx a magic victory as the Papa John pepperoni mascot guy? I mean, I think you can get it on within a minute and a half. Like if you get help, like I, I think it's probably one of those like pay. Well, hopefully they're pay. Some of them aren't. The some of the magic entertainers so we used to have cheerleaders we don't have cheerleaders we have these magic entertainers i'm sure it's one of them and they get help from one or two people if they need to like be in a hurry with it like i'm pretty sure it's not that hard to jump in the bottom half and then somebody just got to help you put on the top half but um if there's it's a split half maybe it's just one big suit with like velcro closing who knows but um like a stuffed cross situation I'm not I'm not a costume ex- expert, so I don't know what the logistics and what the what the difficulties are of getting out of those suits. But I, I would think within like 90 seconds, you can get in and out. And I mean, look, if we're if we're up like, uh, yeah, I guess for, we haven't really had too many buzzer beater situations like I I'm, I think we had for when we beat the Pistons in the on that Wendell buzzer beater. Like I know we had the victory pizza mascot then. So I would be curious to see how long it took for. Yeah. for them to roll out but maybe it's maybe they put it on early enough either way and whatever if they lose they lose if not they're ready so i'm not going to blame a pizza costume on on jinxing us so i but. to to put a bow on this you know i hate <laughs> gimmicks uh i'm still not standing for tip off but uh I'll, I'll get on board with the magic kind of joining the rest of the league in terms of a, a opponent free throw missing promotion i think that's fair we need it. Um, although speaking of new stuff, apparently I'm seeing Magic fans complaining about how there's like a new drum thing going on behind the baskets and it's like out of rhythm and annoying and stuff, and it just happens at random times. And like I I'm looking at I've looked at the Magic Reddit and there's like some really unhappy fans about it. So hopefully they end that because I knew I, I, there's always been some type of drumming, even when I was covering the team, like there's always been like some drumming behind, like, and it's real close behind me. Cause that's how it is on the, on that floor. Uh, where if you, if you sit, if you get, if you get lucky, like I did a couple of times where you're sitting on the floor covering the media behind a basket, like you're close to some drums sometimes behind your ear. And my head did not like that. Um, I'd get some headaches after that once in a while, but, um, yeah, they need to end that. So, all right. So prior to the next game, Dennis Scott was inducted into the Magic Hall of Fame as its 12th member. A big reason why this game was on NBA TV as well. Um, so it's nice for us to actually win some of these NBA TV games. We will end up not having a nationally televised game, unfortunately. Um, we've had our fair share of NBA TV games. I didn't keep track of the record for that. Some years I do, some years I don't. But nice to win on NBA TV. But as far as 3D... Getting into the Magic Hall of Fame, you know, he's the 12th member. He deserves it, but it's complicated with his kind of legacy. Like he was the six eight, six foot eight, pretty athletic guy at a Georgia Tech with an awesome flat top for a hairstyle. He, you know, we drafted him fourth in a pretty interesting 1990 NBA draft. If you ever pull up that list, um, he comes out of the gate shooting four three point attempts per game, which was a pretty high amount for an NBA player back then. But he had the ability to drive. Like, there's some cool dunk highlights with him. And he just wasn't super reliant on threes at the time. He makes the all-rookie first team, averaging 15.7 points per game. His sophomore season, he's playing great. And then a leg injury takes him out 18 games into the season. If you listen to the Magic Pod Squad episode, like, he mentions what that rare, rare leg condition was, leg injury was. 
it's basically a leg injury that vice like bicyclists get. Um, and he's like the only NBA player he says that's ever gotten that injury. So that's kind of crazy, but the last, you know, you know, he was averaging what he ended up averaging 19.9 points per game in those, in, in those games that he played. Cause he, he played 18 games and he really should average 20 that, that, you know, brief season. Cause the last three of those games, he came off the bench scoring 13, 13 and four points. And, he dropped his average to 19.9. He got Nick Anderson on that. And then, sure. you know, he would have this rare leg condition kind of impacting him the rest of his career. Cause from there, like he's slowly putting on weight, not always the good kind. And he takes a secondary role when Shaq comes in the next season and then Penny after that. But Brian Hilt, he knew how to get the best out of 3D as a floor spreader. Um, we we don't make our finals run without 3D. Like he hit. Seven threes in game two of the 95 Eastern Conference Finals against the Pacers, which that's still a franchise record. He still has the most threes in franchise history at 981. Thankfully, that's because we got rid of Fournier and Ross on time, but um, he still got the record. And then look, 3D, he gets back up to 17.5 points per game in Shaq's last year of 95-96, where the three-point lines were shortened and... He's mostly relying on threes at this point. Like he took a career high 7.7 three-point attempts per game in that 96 season, but he smashed NBA records, man. He had 11 threes in a game uh, late April of 96 against the Hawks. He had 267 made threes in a season. Both have been surpassed in the league, but uh, both are magic records still, I believe. But other than Reggie Miller, like it's tough to say you wanted – any other three point shooter back then than 3D. He was just elite. But um once Shaq, his uh his best friend left in summer of 96, it just nose dives from there. Like he's you know, he's he's really in not great shape and he has that basketball kids can't blow up. And then we ship him off in September of 97, where it only gets worse for him on the court until he never plays again at 31 years old in the year 2000. He's just done after that. And Look, he deserves to be in the Magic Hall of Fame. Would I have picked others before him? Yes, but he deserves to be there. And the order doesn't really matter. And it's great that he seems to really, really appreciate the honor. Like, he still has high praise and respect for the Magic. Like, he'll give him, he'll give us some pretty good shout-outs on NBA TV where he's on all the time um, doing analysis and, and all that. But And then other than that, like, his son, Dennis the Third, he – he's already taller than 3d and he's already getting big college offers before he's even like a high school senior. And I got a feeling we're going to see his son in the league, but any 3d thoughts, Benny, I spoke a lot. Um, I think the, the coolest thing to me again was, was seeing how much it meant to him. And even um, like the ending of the second quarter, you know, he he's on the broadcast for the whole second quarter and even the ending of the broadcast time with both David and Jeff, he's like, love you guys. And, and they, you know, it was, it was genuine and authentic. Um, so that's twofold, right? The, it, the honor meant a lot to him. And also despite some of the pitfalls and mistakes that the organization made, uh, in the early nineties and mid nineties that there, there seems to be an importance in bringing people back, uh, and having positive relationships with, with people that are meaningful to the organization, which I think is important. Um, so all of that to me is cool. I would like to take the discussion another way really quick and ask yeah. you, 
your opinion. Uh, there's, there's certainly a lot of people that are deserving of being in the Magic Hall of Fame. My question to you is, does Jeff Turner make it? And, and my thought is that he will. Does he deserve to make it? My thought is that not necessarily. Uh, I think that in terms of years of service to the organization, like eventually that, whole, that will bump him up and in. But if you're talking about best color commentators uh, of the three that the Magic have had, you might rank him third in terms of on-court performance. Nothing super notable. Uh, what's your take on Jeff Turner in the Magic Hall of Fame? Um, well, first off, Jeff doesn't get emotional often, and he was uh, he was dropping it through a few tears in that 3D ceremony. So that was cool. And I mean, those guys have known each other forever, so. That was cool. Um, here's the thing for him to get in. I mean, well, we know Paul Porter's going to get in. Like, it's going to happen. Paul Porter's a lock. Yes. Yeah. Should be. Yeah. I mean, so David Steele's already gotten in. Um, man, Matty Gukas has to go in, right? He has to. Matty Gukas uh, earned, as you know, the, the Ring of Honor or whatever banner in the old arena. Uh, which was the precursor for the Magic Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, I'm not certain if they'll make a move. Now, we don't, I morbidly, we don't know how much time's left on the clock there, God forbid. Uh, yeah. But also with the, you know, parting of ways uh, in terms of him being on the TV broadcast, I don't know if they'll make that kind of amend, uh, amends with him. Uh, should he get in? I think so. Will he? I, I don't know. I think he's going to get in. Um, should he? Yes, but like I need to see Dennis Newman get in. I he, I want Dennis Newman in. I don't know about you, but Dennis needs to go in. Yeah, Dennis Newman deserves it. Another one that I think is deserving but will not get the recognition. Um, I mean, I guess it's interesting because I think Jeff deserves to go. Well, ooh, does Jeff deserve to go in over Bo? Because they're both contributors to the franchise and i mean bo is he's the other ambassador like nick anderson got in he was going to get in either way but nick doing all the extracurricular stuff guaranteed him to get in early early so um see that's interesting right uh yeah god um i think they're gonna get in eventually uh i think both bo and jeff will get in eventually because with Jeff, he was one of the original players. He, right. if he doesn't get hurt in the ninety-five, late in the ninety-five, ninety-six season, that season plays out differently. Or that postseason plays out differently because even when Horace got hurt in the ninety-six series, if we had Jeff Turner to throw in, like we would have fared a little bit better against Chicago. Like I don't think we get flat out swept because. We got absolutely decimated in 96 with injury between Nick, Horace, yeah. like a couple other guys had injuries, but they tried to fight through it. But like we didn't have Jeff and Jeff was like the floor spreading kind of glue guy who if you needed to throw him in for 10, 15 minutes, you could do that. And we didn't even have that. So again, him going down is actually kind of an under is a pretty underrated thing in our team's history. Um, and I mean, he never came back. To, well, did he nope. come back? No, nope. he didn't come back, it? right? No. So, 
And then look, he's Jeff's also done radio. He did a lot of Dennis Newman radio. So that's, I'm throwing that in. It's not just the TV stuff, but. Um, and I want to state for the record that I'm a Jeff Turner fan, obviously. Yeah, of course. You, you freaking have the a jersey. Popularized Kapaya. I mean, that counts for something too, right? Oh, yeah. Would, I, I don't know that I would. Meh, I might rank him above Goose. But I don't know that I would rank him above Matty Gugas in terms of color commentary. Well, no. Well, look, I think, but Goose isn't going to get in for other reasons. No, um, no, that certainly is not is not going to happen. But just in but terms, Gukas of, was a having, better yeah. was a better color commentator than than Jeff because Gukas what called it pretty straightforward. Like he 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 would criticize our guys in the best way possible. Like he Gukas because he was such an elite. NBA on NBC color commentator. Like he was Marv Albert's go-to guy for a long time when it wasn't like the duo of like uh, Bill Walton and Snapper Jones as the, as the double com- you know color commentators. So Gugas has had that national TV run. And then with the magic, I mean, he, he was amazing. And I mean, it helped that Maddie was around for the good Dwight days and all that, but um, I mean, Jeff, from a radio commentary perspective, as Dennis Newman's colleague for a lot of those years, like he he did great. Like, I think Jeff's going to get in. I, I I have little doubts. I think Gukas deserves to be over, deserves to get in both because he was our first head coach and because of the, the color commentary days. Um, Dennis Newman needs to get in. We know Paul Porter is definitely going to get in. Um, David Steele's already in. Um, so... I mean, I think Jeff deserves to go in over Bo. Not, it's not like a huge by a huge margin, but I think I'd put Jeff over Bo, even though Bo had like some ridiculous games. Like he, he Bo Allo's got triple doubles with us. So, um, and I mean, he is a team ambassador. That's not that's not something you take lightly. So, man, we went down this path a long time there. I don't know. Do you have any other stuff before we move on? I didn't mean to sidetrack us. No, no, you're good. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to save your voice, man. Yeah. All right, so that'll end that topic there. But um, the Magic, they signed Jay Scrub to a two-way contract recently. He's under contract through next season as well, so he joins Kevon Harris as our other two-way guy. I think it's well-deserved with how well he's played in Lakeland. He's he was averaging he's averaging like around 22 points per game, six boards. His three-point percentage is a concern, but the guy can score, and he's a 22-year-old, six-foot-five lefty. We got. Jeff Turner, a lefty to, to, to be proud of. So, uh, you know, the Clippers took scrub with the 55th pick in the 2020 draft out of John a Logan college and (laughs) scrub is their only NBA player ever from that, uh, from that college. So any scrub thoughts? I mean, I, I thought we, I think we might see him play at the end, but yeah, I mean, he's on a two way. So technically he doesn't cause he's signed through next year, but um, I mean, I was just, I was surprised he didn't get the mop up minutes uh, the other night against the Nets. But other than that uh, would, would imagine he'll get some time probably the last couple games of the year when it's uh, official one way or the other with uh, the play in tournament. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of that Nets game now on Sunday, I mean, Brooklyn, they're still dangerous following, you know, the KD and Kyrie trade deadline moves. Um, the Magic, they had two full days off. Brooklyn was on the second night of a back to back after they had a big win in Miami. So, like you mentioned, we benefited off the off the Miami front end back to back finally for a change, uh, both with the Knicks and the Nets. It was Markel Folds bobblehead dog giveaway night. Um 
the magic, they need to get back to giving stuff away for free again. I think, um, I thought the bobblehead was okay. I I've seen way worse and I think it looked pretty, pretty good for, for a Markel bobblehead. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, he seemed to like it, which is the most important thing, right? If yeah. Bobblehead likeness of yourself. You should get to approve it. So Franz started despite the ankle sprain he suffered in the Nick game. Cause it's Franz. He had, Eleven point fourth quarter to close out the game for us. Um, Suggs was also back from concussion protocol, and I think it was like a four game absence for Suggs. So it's nice to see him back. And Jalen, more than almost anybody, just needs to stay healthy from now through the regular end of the regular season, just so that he can be healthy going into the off season because he needs a full off season to to just keep improving and working on himself. Um, but he brought bench steadiness with Cole Anthony and. Cole Anthony is just interesting how he's getting sixth man kind of honorary mention shouts, uh, six man award sh- shouts from guys like Zach Lowe. Like that's, that's pretty cool. Um, Mikhail Bridges, man, he, he would be awesome to have on the magic, but I'd just be stunned if Brooklyn gives him out without a ridiculous haul ask in return. Like he's a cornerstone piece. He had 19 points in just the first quarter against us. Uh, he had 44 points in the game. Jacques Vaughn, who will probably finish, if not runner-up in Coach of the Year voting to Mike Brown, then maybe third behind uh, OKC's coach, Dagnall. Like, but Jacques Vaughn pulled the starters early, I thought. I think we were up like 13 with 3.59 to go, and he pulled guys like Bridges out, and Bridges probably would have dropped 50 had he stayed in the game. I don't know, maybe Jacques was happy going one and one on the Florida trip, but that kind of surprised me, and then you know, the magic, this whole three-game homestand was about balanced scoring again. And we had eight players in double figures by early in the fourth quarter. It's the 13th time in franchise history, according to the Orlando Magic PR account. 13th time in Magic history, we've had eight players scoring double figures. But it's the third time this season that it's happened. So it's a very rare feat. But, um, you know, we've this is now the third time that we've done that. And then Caleb Houston, he was the only man in that nine-man rotation not to – I don't think he scored for the game, but let alone scored double-digit figures uh, scoring in that. And then, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, the Magic, they won all three games on this homestand. It's their first three-game winning streak since our December uh, six-game win streak, I believe. Uh, Nick game thoughts, Penny. Or uh, net game thoughts, Penny. Uh, just a really solid performance overall. I mean, that was – also, I think it was – Nice to see Jalen Suggs back and also hitting the ground running. Um, never know how someone's going to perform coming off, you know, concussion type symptoms. Um, I, I, I mean, what, what do you say about that game overall? Everybody pretty much came in and made a positive contribution. So real, real solid way to wrap up the homestand. It was just that it was about as smooth of as, as a win as you could hope. Like the Wiz almost came over the, uh, the Nets almost came back at the end, but like, it it was pretty smooth in that third or four and fourth quarter for the most part. Like I felt pretty relaxed and that was just impressive to see because Brooklyn is really feisty. I mean, they, they just won in freaking Miami the night before and, you know, maybe fatigue kicked in a little bit towards the end, but that's not our problem. Um, it was just, it was a business like win and we don't get too many of those because we have a pretty young team. So I was quite pleased with that. So, all right, there's seven games left in the season. We're 32 and 43. There's seven games left in the season. You know, my, I predicted that we'd win 34 games right now. We are 
a game ahead of my 34 one pace. So at the moment I have us winning third, you know, at the moment, based off that the magic are on pace for 35 wins, but uh, a lot of these games might be more winnable than they appear on paper. Um, even though I have us going three and four, or I had us in the predictions going three and four to finish the season. Um, we could do better than that. There's still mathematically we're in the play in chase. So, you know, we're not dead until, till I say so at that point until the math say so, but, um, we have a very tough game in Memphis tomorrow, uh, Tuesday before we play the wizards one more time in DC on the 31st to finish the month of March. And then you have our, we have our last five games in April, you know, April 2nd, it's home against Detroit. That'll be a welcome back RJ Hampton moment. Um, and then, Two straight home games against the Cavs, April 4th and the 6th. Cleveland's interesting because they might be locked into that fourth seed uh, by then, depending on if Philly can grow their their third seed lead over uh, Cleveland to, say, like three or four games. Um, If that happens, the Cavs could rest a lot of guys for that back-to-back and if they're stuck in the fourth seed. so um, And then there's April 7th. The second to last game of the season, that's a, the second night of a back-to-back for the Magic, and they got to fly from here to, to Brooklyn after that second Cavs game. And it's going to be tricky in Brooklyn because, you know, they're they're falling in the standings now. Like, they're currently sick uh, tie, in, a, yeah, in a tie for six with Miami, but I think Brooklyn owns the tiebreaker. Um, the Nets, they might be locked into the sixth or seventh seed by that April 7th game, though, and so they could be resting guys. Who knows? But um, – which is massive because if it's seventh, then they're in the play-in. Um, so they they could be resting dudes as well. And we finished the season off in Miami for a 1 p.m. Sunday, uh, April 9th tip. And the Heat definitely need to rest dudes, and I'm sure they will if they're locked into sixth or seventh. So, um, yeah, even though the schedule doesn't look great, there there's some we could easily go over 500 on, on in these last seven games. I don't know. What do you think, Benny? Yeah, I mean, the the crappy part is that, as we said, the Bulls are kind of have gotten it together and rattled off a handful of wins here lately. But uh, restating what you just ran through in another way that I think is pretty cool is to this point, the Magic have played 75 meaningful basketball games this year, um, yeah. which is when's the last time that you can can say that. Um, assuming that we can split the next two, we will assuredly go into April not mathematically eliminated from the plan, um, which is also pretty cool. Every every single month of the calendar, we're you know right there in the mix. Um, so again, restate it every episode we talk about it. The season on the whole has been an overwhelming success. Uh, the hope is that you can keep it going uh, all the way to the end. And and that's still to be determined. We still have an outside chance there. Um, but I think that you, you couldn't have asked for a better year to this point, pretty much for the magic. Uh, and the hope too, is that the basketball gods might end up rewarding you uh, come ping pong ball time for having played it the way you played it. Yeah, we can, we can keep talking about that because look, we went from a five and twenty start to I think we're twenty seven and twenty three in our last fifty games. Like twenty seven and twenty three over an entire season. That's that's a high play in or even a six seed team, a playoff team in the East. So, and our best players are twenty one and twenty years old. Like the Magic, 
going six and one in these final seven games, it's possible. Like I'm, I'm not ruling it out. It's not likely, but can't rule it out. Especially if we somehow win in Memphis, like if we somehow win in Memphis, that gets interesting. Um, Cause the wizards are going to try and tank probably for that 31st game, uh, March 31st game. So we're, we're playing overall well, and we're just improving as we reach the finish line, which is what you want from such a young and talented team that we have. And I put it at like a 2% chance we catch one of Chicago, Toronto, or Atlanta. Like, again, we'd, we'd have to go 6-1, and one, and then one of those two teams would have to lose all but one or two games for us to get the 10th seed. It's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely. We've got the fifth-worst record in the league still, but we're one to two games back of Portland, the Wizards, and the Pacers. All of them arresting dudes and tanking. If we catch and surpass all of them and finish with the eighth worst record in the league, I'm fine with that because we gave our young guys a taste of competitiveness. They're all going to want to improve going into next season where, you know, the playoffs are going to be the expectation depending on our front office's decisions. Fuck tanking like Portland, Washington, Indy. They all have worse futures than us. Like they, they have to tank. We don't like we're young enough as it is. Like we've got a lot of talent now for me. It's like, it's just all about trying to acquire a Luca or Jalen Brown or, or, uh, or a Desmond Bain, like, which all three could be in play. Like Dallas might miss the play in Brown hates the Celtics front office. If Memphis flames out of the playoffs, like we know Bain loves our training center. Like he might be tired of the John Morant bullshit. And we missed out on Donovan Mitchell last season or last summer. Like we we seem to be ready to make that big time trade in this coming off season. You know, sometime between the upcoming off season and next winter's trade deadline. Um, I don't know, Penny. Any of your thoughts on all that uh, that I mentioned? Oh, I mean, right now, even though we have the fifth worst record in the league, where I think that we are, we have the best fifth worst record in the league since like 1975 at 32 and 43. Like it just worked out this way that very few teams have really tanked and that's the benefit of the plan. But we just, we're coming on just too late. Like that five and 20 start, like we're going to look back and be like, Hey, I mean, that's, that's what did us in. And it's just nice that we're an over 500 team right now and we're heading in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is just finding that positive momentum to carry forward into the off season, hopefully with everybody healthy, uh, you figure out where you stand across the board with contracts and draft picks. And uh, the the future appears limitless right now, which is uh, an interesting and novel place to be considering, you know, where we've been for pretty much close to the last 10 years now. And that'll do it for this episode. Uh, if you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time. Uh, subscriptions, high ratings, positive comments all help this podcast ranking immensely. Uh, you can tweet Spencer any of your feedback because my Twitter handle is kind of in limbo, so I won't mention mine. But uh, Penny, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's. And with that, take care. Let's go magic. <laughs>